Hi, my name is Jen. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and I'm here to tell you that your body can heal. I've healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s. I've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your life. This podcast is for patients, practitioners, and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. So it is ethanol. Um, it's So it's a drug. I think people think of alcohol and drugs being different, but alcohol is a drug and it's classified as a depressant. Um, but it can act as a stimulant in your system, which is like why it feels good. And I think those are the feelings that most people drink for like the euphoria and the happiness. Have any like encouraging words to give those women who might turn to wine at night? Yeah, I think mommy wine culture is pretty toxic, honestly. Um, and again, I'm not coming from like a place of judgment at all. If that's where you're at and that's what you need to function. Sometimes, like I said, it is damage control, like whatever's worse. Sometimes that it, it does feel like your only option. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inspire Health by Jen podcast. Again, we're so glad that you're here with us this week. I have my very special friend, client, and fellow business owner, Katie Brock here. She is a business owner. Like I mentioned, she owns Haven Wellness and Spa in the Kansas City area. It is an amazing self-care oasis. And after you hear her story, you're going to understand where that inspiration came from to build something so incredible that serves others daily. She's had her own healing journey, not only with chronic illness, which she was on episode 36. You can catch out her her story there. Um, but she's had her own healing journey with chronic illness that came after her sobriety journey and her healing journey with addiction, with alcohol. And so she has this untold story yet to share, and she's going to share it with us today. And before we get started... I'm going to ask Katie to share a synopsis of her journey, of her story, in her own words. But something I was thinking about preparing for this episode is like we all feel judgment or expectations around alcohol, whether we're drinking, whether we're not drinking, whether we're kind of drinking, whether we're drinking mocktails, whether we're like we all have judgment and perceptions. And Katie has been up close and personal and found herself on all ends of this spectrum in relationship with alcohol. So we don't have an agenda for you today to get you to drink or not to drink. Well, what a relief, right? We face that in all social situations, but the only agenda for us is for, for all of us to hear Katie's story, because I know the story will touch you and help guide you as you find your way along your healing journey, whether that be with chronic illness, alcohol, or you want to start a business. Katie is a huge inspiration and a huge light on this earth. So welcome, Katie. I'm so glad you're here. Wow. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I'm so excited to be here and to do this and to share my story. Um, yeah, I think I would start with that. It is very like vulnerable to share about. Um, and so I, you kind of have to like get over the judge, the worry of judgment and like, how are people going to receive it? And are they going to like look down on me once I share this part of myself that maybe I haven't shared with someone before. And that is just a part of my journey of like owning myself. And I feel like through sobriety, I was able to really like learn myself. And now I'm at a point in my journey where I'm owning that and owning my power and stepping into that and like sharing my voice and doing it, even though it's kind of scary. Um, so yeah. And I just feel like Leo season is the perfect time to do it. Right. Because it's like all about that confidence and being brave. And I'm so, so here we go. <laughs> Can you tell us about your, and I couldn't agree more. I'm like, yeah, we are in Leo season. And this will air just a little bit after Leo season, but just bring in those Leo season vibes and, and know that this is when we, when we recorded. In your own words, we talked about before we came on air, I was like, hey, what is the word addiction? Is that like 
triggering? Is that like uncomfortable for you? And you were just like what you said, you're like, no, I need, I want to own this part of me because what you do for others and how you show up in the world, I think it, it would surprise most people to know that you used to struggle with an addiction. And, um, my own personal two cents is that I think we all have an addiction. Some of our addictions are more polished and pretty than others. And some, um, can be more detrimental to the body, but I would love for us just to spend a couple minutes and in your own words, Katie, like telling us your sobriety journey, um, what addiction was like for you, why you used alcohol, what it did for you. Just like your like the meat and potatoes of really why we're here together today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was always kind of more of like kind of wild child growing up, like kind of rebellious. I definitely just kind of did my own thing. I didn't really, you know, listen to too much of what everybody had to say so much. Um, but I didn't like really want to be in the spotlight or notice like too much. So it was kind of this interesting line. Um, like I remember this time when I was, I did competitive dancing and I was probably like eight years old. And in the class, they, my teachers like chose me to do the routine in front of everybody as like an example, because I, you know, did it the best or whatever. And I literally ran out to the parking lot crying and hiding because I did not want to be in front of everybody. Like I was, I think overly aware at a young age, like I didn't want like attention. And I was kind of worried about, I don't know how I was being judged and things like that. So I think that kind of like, developed and probably developed into some anxiety um, and just like some social anxiety and stuff. And then around age nine and 10, I, my chronic illness journey kind of started when I was diagnosed with celiac. And so that really made me different than other kids my age because I couldn't like do the same things. I couldn't eat the same things. I had to like bring my own lunch. Like it did kind of put a little spotlight on me because I was different or I was like missing school because I was sick. And so those things kind of, you know, I guess played into each other. Um, and so, yeah, including that from ages like 10 to 14, there was like some traumatic events between like my own illness and like a family um, diagnosis and my family and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there was just a lot of things I think that I was taking on. And I know now that I am an empath and I'm a highly sensitive person and I, you know, was very spiritually connected as a kid. And so I just feel like there was a lot of energy and I was a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. And so by the time, you know, substances were introduced to me, which was very young, um, I had my first drink at age 11. Um, and so I think like that allowed me to kind of have a little pause. It gave me like a, a break from all of the overwhelming feelings and emotions that were my own, that were like stuff I was not sure how to process and things that were like other people's emotions and energy. So um, I can look back now and say that me, you know, drinking or using anything, it was an escape. Um, but I didn't, it wasn't conscious at that time. I started just because it was fun. <laughs> it just, it felt good. Um, it felt you know, euphoric, you feel lighter, you feel like it's just fun. You just have a good time. And that's kind of like, I think how it gets you. And I think that um, it can easily become a habit. Um, and that's just what happened for me. And I'm very, I have an addictive, addictive personality. Um, I'm kind of, I don't really half-ass anything. I kind of am like all or nothing. And so that's sort of, that's how I approached that as well. Um, it just kind of became my lifestyle. Um, it, it wasn't like peer pressure. I didn't give into that. It was all my choice. It just, I think I was a little bit mature. And so I kind of had friends that were older than me and I think, you know, they were introduced to it. So I think that's why I was introduced to things like earlier than maybe I would have been. Um, but yeah, that was also just kind of like maybe the friend group that I was in and stuff like that. And who, people who I were, was attracted to, which again, being an empath and being, you know, I feel like we do kind of attract like those lost souls a little bit. And, you know, I was one myself. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I lost friends. Like I remember even being like 11, 11 or 12 and friends being like, yeah, I, you're kind of going on a path. Like I'm not super interested in and like losing friends over that and like having, you know, boyfriends or whatever, friends tell me like, yeah, they're not like, they don't like that you do that, you know? And I was just like, okay, well, 
that's me. So like they'll, they need to get over it. And I definitely kept that attitude throughout my entire really addiction as it started to develop of just, well, if people have a problem with it. Like they have, that's their problem. It's not mine. And I don't, I don't have that. Like I don't have a problem. Um, yeah, I think it was a lot that fed into it as well was like some lack of self-respect and self-love and like not really learning how to, yeah, love myself. And I, I had like, uh, image issues very young. I remember being like nine, like super young. The first time I was like, I don't like this about my body, which is crazy. Cause I was literally a child, but, um, it was just, it was just there. And like the media and society, like mm -hmm. everything didn't help. Um, so anyways, yeah, I just, I remember too, like, being a size zero, I mean, I was small. I was a size zero in high school and a guy that I was like dating, he like poked my stomach and was like, oh, you're putting on some weight, aren't you? And I mean, mm -hmm. I was small, like, and I already had those like in, you know, in my head, like my self-talk was not great. Um, but drinking and like using drugs were not, that, that didn't help, you know, <laughs> obviously that's not going to help my self-talk. Um, and like, it really just, it really just keeps you pulled out and removed of reality. Um, so like, I feel like it got to a point where wherever I was, if I wasn't currently, you know, drinking or, or using, I was thinking about the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that really kept me far removed from like what was going on in the current moment in the present. And like, even if it was something that I felt like I quote, like should be enjoying, right. Or should be feeling happy about. I was like dissociated and that made me feel really guilty, which made me then just want to numb it out even more, you know? So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. I mean, this is so rich and there's so many things I want to dive into here, Katie. So at nine years old, you started to be like my body and I don't know if I love this about it. Um, and then at 11 years old, you had your first drink. Can you create like a movie scene for us? So at 11, you had the first drink and then like really when alcohol and using became an addiction and like what it was like, you would leave your house. What would you feel on the way to the party or were you at a party? Like, what was it like the first drink, the first use? Can you, I don't know if you've ever been asked this before, but I feel like there's a picture to paint here for other listeners that could really resonate. Yeah, for sure. So I remember my first drink and, um, it was, it was so gross. It was vodka with Pepsi <laughs> and everyone says like, Oh, weed is a gateway drug. Well, I, I tried alcohol before I didn't try weed until I was 13. Um, but I quickly became a daily weed smoker for, for a few years at that point. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was fun. You know, like my friend, she was much older than me. Um, she could even drive, but she, um, had brought it and like, we just tried it and it was just fun. And, um, it, I just remember being a really, um, like a positive memory in the moment. I was like, wow, this is like so new. It feels so good. I feel so happy. And like, we're connecting and all this stuff. And like, I guess looking back, it's like anything that I was, I guess, worried about or had any sort of feelings about, like it could just be pushed to the side um, for a minute. And that felt good, even though that was, again, it was subconscious, but, um, and then I didn't start drinking on a regular basis. That was kind of like just the first time it was like a one-off thing. Um, but yeah, I really, like I said, kind of got more into smoking weed for a while and, um, it got me into some trouble and, um, like I was actually arrested at 15, um, for possession and, um, like not my, yeah, not my, um, proudest moment. Hey, let me interrupt this episode real quick to offer another prescription along your healing journey. This one may be not what you're thinking of. Let me guess. You're doing the nutrition, the supplements, the sauna, the exercise, the peptides, the yoga, but there's still a feeling like something is missing in your healing journey. 
where two or more are gathered, there is indeed healing power. And we are going to gather way more than two people. I do believe our healing journey does not reach its capacity until we have entered into the portal. That is a healing spiritual medicine retreat in order for our brain to rewire itself, reprogram limiting beliefs, anxious thoughts, and even cellular healing code for our physical body to get better. We must break the pattern we live in. We can do this by engulfing ourselves in a healing retreat. I want to invite you into the healing container. I create just once a year, our spiritual medicine healing retreat in Yalapa, Mexico, January 14th through the 19th of 2024. We have various pricing package options for all budgets, all inclusive besides your travel. I promise you, you cannot come back from this healing experience the same. Imagine organic healing foods, instant ocean access, sleeping in open air or closed if you prefer rooms, listening to the oceans, tropical rainforest waterfall excursions, deep sea snorkeling, boat rides, healing sessions, shaman ceremony, and space and rest and time to connect with your soul, which is the true medicine. This is the annual experience my team and I curate just for you once a year and it sells out every single time. So if you're listening to this, I know you crave deep healing. So click on the link in the show notes or go to inspirehealthbygen.com slash retreats. That's inspirehealthbygen.com slash retreats for more information. Or if you're listening to this podcast and hear this after the retreat has passed, check out the retreats page still for another unique in-person healing experience in the future. I'm thinking of you talking about these big feelings and it's a lot to share. I know girl, like it's, we're just me, I'm here with you and, and the present. And there's so many people who are holding you as they listen to this in another version of the now. Um, I have to interject with one thing I love about you so much, Katie, that is like such a expression of how you've alchemized this energy. It's like, you're always down to try something. I'm like, Hey, I want to try this new healing thing. You want to go to this new event with me? And it's always like self-growth and healing focus. And you always say yes. Um, so you've really like, embodied and alchemized that energy in you. But I'm curious, you know, the first drink, the first time smoking, the going to the parties, the daily use, were you aware of the big feelings and the big energies you were feeling or was this completely subconscious? Yeah, no, I, I was not. I, it was completely subconscious. Um, and I actually identified as someone who didn't have that much emotions, which is really funny. Um, but I remember like being more, um, into my addiction with drinking and, um, what really actually led me back to drinking was when I did get, um, arrested at 15, they start, I had to be put on probation. And so I was, um, they tested your urine and weed stays in your system a lot longer than other things. So that's actually what kind of pushed me. Of course, it would have been great if I was like, oh, I should just stop. I should be sober, you know, right? It's just like that didn't dawn on me. It was just already so much a part of like, like altering my mind was already so much a part of my, I guess, regular state that I was just like, okay, well, what do I move into next? It wasn't even like, should I, should I stop? Like, should this be the sign to stop? Um, so that's what kind of pushed me into things like drinking, like other substances, like pills. They were, had a shorter lifespan in your system. So it was more of just like, I was just trying to hack that system in a way. Um, but yeah, so, um, the, could you remind me the question? Sorry. You're good. I'm, I'm curious. And now I'm thinking of another question. I'm like, did you, there's so much to unpack here. Did you, were you aware of like those big feelings and when you were using substances and drinking, or did you have no idea that you were feeling them? And then here's the, here's the add on to this question. So like, then did you realize what, why you were using? Cause there was lots of big energies you were feeling. And now those gifts really serve you as you know, you've been won tons of awards of best massage therapist, best spa in the city. You're an intuitive, you're a healer. When people are on your table, they do not get just get massage. They're getting energy healing and intuitive work. Like, I mean, you're just, you're a master alchemist that I'm seeing. So when you were drinking and using, did you realize what you were feeling? And then what is it like to feel those things without the substances now? Yeah. So I love this question because, um, when I was like in the throes of my addiction and stuff, I remember identifying as someone who didn't have that many emotions. And I, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor 
And I was like, yeah, I don't really like, I just like never cry. Like things just don't really bother me. I just like let things roll off. And um, <laughs> my friends were like, they just kind of looked at me and I'm like, what? And they're like, you cry all the time when you're drunk. Like, and I have no, I had no idea. Like mm -hmm. I had no recollection of it. And I see that. And I was like so embarrassed. Right. But I see that as like all, everything I was trying to suppress in my waking life. I, I thought that I was like managing it and kind of numbing it with alcohol, but really it was just like, it can only be pushed down so far and then it, it'll start to bubble up. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting, but there was, I think people hear about people in addictions, like being in denial and think that can't be real. Like they have to know somewhat. Right. But I, I really did not think that I had a problem. Um, I mean, I, I, remember like waking up just shaking so like trembling having tremors um so much so that like i it was hard for me to drive because my foot like couldn't be pressed on the pedal um it that was how like severe it was and i you know told my friend like wow look i'm shaking so hard like i don't know what's going on and he's like oh you're withdrawing and i was like i didn't even know what that was so like that's not, it wasn't a, an awareness thing of like, this is what addiction looks like. And this is what the like warning signs are. Like I was just already there. And even when I started to be approached with like, Hey, I think that this is what <laughs> this is, this looks like an addiction. I would just kind of like, you know, not listen to it because I just didn't, I literally wasn't um, able to accept that as truth. And I truly did not believe it. Um, I, you know, yeah, I felt like everyone, even, despite all the evidence around me and family and friends, like being worried about me and um, asking me to like stop and get help and stuff. I just thought that everyone was overreacting and that, you know, it was their problem and not me. And I thought my lifestyle was normal um, and they needed to lighten up and let me have fun. And, um, you know, keep in mind, I wasn't even 21 yet. Um, I remember telling my friend like, Ooh, when we turn 21, like we can actually go out legally all the time and like that we can, you know, it'll be so much fun. And like when I go to buy the alcohol, I'm going to go to different stores. I'll kind of hop around because I didn't want any one store knowing like how much I was consuming. And I didn't think that was problematic. Like, and I remember someone saying to me, oh, that's what alcoholics do. And I was like, oh, huh, nah. Like I, I literally didn't think that that was weird. I thought that was normal um and i kept raising the bar of like what a problem looked like i was like well i have a job i always i have had a job since i was like as soon as i could i i loved working and like having my own and money and stuff but obviously you know it's not cheap to like <laughs> have to support a habit honestly it's not cheap um i also yeah smoked cigarettes for like nine years so um, anyways, but I kept raising the bar of like what a problem would look like. I'm like, well, I can keep a job and alcoholics can't, so I don't have a problem. And like, or, oh, I only, I only drink on the weekend, so I don't have a problem. And then I started drinking during the week. And then I was like, well, I will only drink beer during the week. And I like, won't do any liquor or any, any drugs. Like I'll save that for the weekend. That's normal. People who have problems can do that. And then it was like, you know, I was, it was, became a daily thing. Um, I would show up to work like still you know influenced from the night before um so yeah it definitely was a very big problem and affected every aspect of my life and every relationship in my life um the people that i surrounded myself with like it's hard to keep people in your life that don't do what you do so um that's naturally just who you end up being around as other addicts although at the time i didn't know that's i didn't think that we were <laughs> Um, I just thought that's just what we, that's just our pastime. Um, but yeah, so that put me in a lot of, um, a lot of like unusual situations that I thought were normal, like people really close to me, like even like partners that I was dating, like stealing from me, like waking up and like, they took my car and I'm not even at home and I don't know how I'm going to like get to work, get home, like don't know where they are. And like, that was just normal. It was just like chaotic. Um, and yeah, so definitely toxic and a lot of like unsafe situations because of that. Um, but yeah, again, this is all completely unconscious um, that I'm suppressing like really my sensitivities and like my um, gifts and also just like robbing myself of the ability to like 
emotionally develop, you know, like I normally would have throughout these years um, and socially develop. Um, and so through sobriety, I had to kind of like learn all of that. And um, that sobriety is where I um, found my spirituality and found like my true self and like really explored that. Um, I had to kind of learn who I am and what I like and what my passions are because I didn't have any. Um, so that was really fun. And um, I never stopped. Like I still, I, I love self-discovery and self-development and like all things spiritual. And like you said, I'm down for like anything healing. I love it because um, it saved me. So, yeah. Thank you, Katie. This is, I've just enjoyed the, like this lens into your life and your journey. What was the moment when, so you were talking about like, you'd wake up and be like, where's my car? Or your friends would be like, alcoholics, you know, liquor store hop. And, but I only drink beer during the week. Like what was the moment where one, you got help and two, you realized that there was something going on that you weren't in alignment with yourself. And, and maybe those were two different moments. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to say like, it was a aha moment that I like came to realization and, um, that's not my story. I did not come to the conclusion on my own. I was essentially kind of forced into it. Um, yeah, the legal trouble when I was 15, it didn't stop there. Um, I didn't always get in trouble like every time I drank or used, but every time I did, it was because of that. Um, so there were a couple more times where I got into trouble and I, um, yeah, legally they, I had to go to, um, a treatment center. Um, so that is where, um, I, I, I honestly, at the time still, I thought this was just something I need to like complete and then I can go back to my life. Um, I had people in my life like, I don't know if you're going to take this seriously. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. You know, but then, um, I'm so grateful for the center that I went to. It was on the West coast. And, um, you know, after about like a week of being there, that's when I really realized like once I was sober and completely clean, you know, and looking around and had this, that's, that's when it hit me of like, oh, I do need to actually be here. And like, I have, a, have a problem and um and ready to face it so yeah what was the name of the treatment center and like what was it like there every day and how long were you there um yeah so it was called solid landings i actually don't know if it's still there this was back in 2014 um so yeah i don't know if they are still like seeing patients or not but um it was really good for me because um we got to go to like the beach we had to have we got to have some outings and like that was really healing for me um and um they had more it being the west coast i think that there was more like holistic approaches to things which i really um i was already kind of drawn to that i just didn't know how to to reach it and so that was so helpful to me but we did that's like i tried yoga for the first time mm -hmm. um there and i tried reiki i received reiki for the first time and fun fact, that is actually how I like found what I wanted to do because I was like, so, you know, open at the time, like, what is, what, what do I like? Like, what am I interested in? And I had shadowed like, um, hospitals in high, in high school and stuff, knowing that I wanted to help people and help them feel better, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and then once I received the Reiki, I was like, I don't know what this is exactly, but it's something like this. It like looks something like this. And I felt it. And I was like, what about massage? And then from there, it's like when I, as soon as I got back from treatment, which I was, I was supposed to be there for 30 days and I, I, um, by choice extended it another 30. So I was there for two months, um, because I needed it and because it was like helping me a lot. And I was worried going right back into like my element before what was going to happen. And I wanted to feel stronger before I went home. Um, but yeah, so I really owe a lot to that center and like to, you know, that they had someone, a Reiki practitioner there and that there were other like supportive um, modalities rather than just, just a, a chemical detox. And there was, there was therapy involved. Um, there was like workshops on how to identify feelings and like um, how to set boundaries and what kind of, um, I forget what it's called, but whether you're like, oh, attachment styles, like we learned all about this and like how, who we are 
how we relate to the people around us and how we can um, really just heal ourselves. So, yeah. This is amazing. So I'm curious when you, you went there, you were there for two months, you chose to extend it, which is amazing. Which now like, okay, it doesn't surprise me. It's like, you've always been who you've been. It's just, you know, alcohol was one stepping stone on your journey to your authentic self. Um, but so you came home and what was that like? I mean, we kind of want to know the details for that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I loved, I, I want to go back to when I was in treatment and how I kind of like, because at the time before I left, I didn't have a spiritual, um, I, I didn't know my beliefs. I didn't know where I stood. Despite feeling super connected as a young like child, that was kind of, I was not connected anymore. I was like, I don't know if there is anything. I really didn't. Um, I was so lost and we had like sponsors out there and my sponsor took me to the beach and she's like, you know, you don't believe that there's a higher power. And I'm like, I, I don't know. And she was like, okay, well, walked me to the shore. And she's like, we'll try to stop that big wave from coming in. And I'm like, I, I can't. And she's like, well, that's a source, you know, of that's a power higher than yourself. That's greater than yourself. And if you can start there, like the ocean, you know, the, the pole, the unseen can be a power greater than, than you then we can start there. And like that really kind of shifted things for me and began to like allow me to be open. Um, and, you know, we did like, um, we had shamans, you know, on the beach and we do like Oracle readings and like, it just like really nourished my um, connection to my own energy and to spirit and the universe and um, allowed me to see that everything was divinely guided, which, yeah. So when I went back home, um, I basically, kind of like a plant, you know, when a plant is like dying in its environment, you want to kind of scoop it out and like put it in new soil and like make sure it has the proper sunlight and water and everything like that. So that's pretty much um, what I did. And um, I moved back home with my parents and um, quit my job and um, basically like immediately enrolled in massage school. Um, and then I just um, I was cleaning houses on my own, like through massage school and everything like that. So it was a completely new environment. Basically, if like you didn't support my sobriety and my healing, then I, there's not room for you in my life. So I know not everyone can do that, but that's my best advice as much as you can is to like remove yourself, um, from any familiar or triggering environments or people that are unsupportive. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much magical. Like when I got back, I feel like the veil was just like lifted. The fog was gone. I felt so aligned. Like literally every step I took, there was a synchronicity. It was the coolest time of my life and I'll never forget it. Um, I remember like this one time, um, like one example, I went in massage school. There was always these huge like crows that would be outside whenever I went to, to get into my car. And, um, my grandpa was obsessed with crows and like, I, they always made me think of him, you know? So I just was always kind of felt connected, um, whenever I would see them Well, I was driving and I heard this song, um, by John Lennon called Blackbird. And it's about like learning to fly with your broken wings. And like, it's very just like uplifting. And I heard it for the very first time and, um, I heard it in the car and then I heard it at like a store later that day. And then I remember I went to TJ Maxx later that day. And the very first, like literally not kidding, I walked into a shirt in the entire store, the very first shirt I went to, and it had the lyrics to that freaking song on the back. <laughs> and I still have that shirt. But um, but yeah, there was just things like that that just felt very synchronistic. Um, I was shopping for like my um, new apartment when I would move out um, of my parents' house and walked into a store and was like really drawn to this bottle, which it was a wine bottle, but whatever. Um, it had like an eye on it and like all of these like mystical symbols and like planet symbols and stuff like that. And it just looked really cool. And it said saved on the bottle. And when I turned around um, on the back of the bottle, the the maker, like the winemaker's last name was Brock, the same as my last name. And just like little things like that. And the store owner literally came up to me and she's like, you can just have that. Like, I just feel like you should have that. You just, you know, obviously you like it a lot. And just random stuff like that would happen all the time. And just little seeds along the way of like, you're doing the right thing. You're where you're supposed to be and like, just trust it. And like, that was 
huge for me in my um, energetic and like spiritual development as well. It's like that force, that something greater on the beach that you encountered was guiding you and telling you yes. And I have to laugh now, Katie, because when we were planning this podcast episode and I had to like map it out on the calendar and see where we had openings. And I knew I've known since when I started the podcast, you know, eight months ago that I wanted you on. And I was like, Katie, it's episode four, four. <laughs> You're like, ah, and we're just like, of course. And for those who are like, what, um, angel numbers or repeating numbers can be to me. And I, I would speak for Katie as well. They can be an encouragement from something greater than us and four specifically mean you're on the right path. And here we are. So I just remember when I was in rehab, someone gave me a book and it was kind of like a devotional, like daily meditation messages, whatever. And when we were out one day, I picked a hibiscus because it's my favorite. And I put it in this book. I just kind of threw it in the book and honestly didn't read the book for a few years. Um, and I was kind of at a, I was kind of struggling at a certain point, at, you know, years later. And I picked this book up and the um, page that the sunflower is on was September 11th, which is my grandma's birthday. I've always had like a, it's a, been a very spiritual number for me, even, even as a teenager. Um, it, like I always see nine eleven on the clock, like nine, you know, all of these and nine in numerology is like spiritual learning and 11 is like spiritual teaching. And like, it just feels, I've just always been super connected to it. But anyways, I just remembered about that book and I, cause I was like, of course, <laughs> you know, I love that. So I'm curious, Katie, what I've, we're talking about what you've, where you've been, where you're in now. And like, what have you replaced alcohol and substances with, you know, you're into healing, but could you get down from to everything from like what you drink when you go to a restaurant out with friends or now how you live your life in lieu of substances and alcohol? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. When I think about like what I replace with alcohol, I <laughs> kind of work. <laughs> um, I'm still kind of a holic, I guess. I'm kind of a workaholic to be honest, but, um, but Hey, you know, at least I'm aware of it. Um, no, I, I think it's less about like, what you are replacing it with and more about like reflecting on why I felt the need to like escape in the first place and like really doing the deep healing work to find your shadows and like how to, you know, learning how to cope in healthier ways. So, I mean, obviously for me, like, um, even, even when I quit smoking, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to now use like a vape or a patch or whatever. Like I just stopped it did take me like two tries, but I was like, I can't replace it with something else. I need to like look at the root and, and just completely kind of cut ties. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I love a good mocktail. I try to make those for myself often. Um, and when I, you know, do go out, I, I usually just drink water or if I want something like fancier, um, or if I'm at a place where I feel like I might get asked, you know, why I don't have a drink in my hand, I might do, something a little fancier with like a garnish or whatever in like a shorter glass so people leave me alone about it. But, um, but yeah. I love a good soda water, lime, mint if they have it. <laughs> but yeah. And I, I would assume Katie, you're probably to the place in your journey where, where people are like having their own experience around you, not drinking. You're just really not available for that anymore. Yeah. hundred percent. I, um, I don't feel the need to like, you know, lie to people or I don't, I don't get uncomfortable anymore. People ask me questions about it. I just say I don't drink. And that took me a lot at the beginning because I was worried about the follow-up questions or like, Oh, why, you know, which if you're listening to this and you don't drink, it's just, just don't ask if someone around you is not drinking, like it's just, just don't ask. It's really none of your business and it doesn't matter. Um, so, but yeah, I, it just doesn't like really phase me anymore. Um, I'm fine saying that I don't. And you know, if people pry, then I, um, I'm at a point where I can talk about it openly. Obviously I'm doing this podcast. So yeah, I'm trying to just be more open about it. I'm super curious. Like what did your body go through? You said it took you two times to completely quit. So can you tell us about the first time, what happened the second time, if there were any physical symptoms? Yeah. Sorry. It took me two times to quit smoking. So after I quit drinking and, and using any substances at all, I did still smoke for like, I don't know, a few years. 
Um, and yeah, until I was like 23, I smoked daily from like 14 to 23. And, but, um, when I quit drinking, I, and everything else, I never, I never went back. Um, but physically it was, yeah, it was really interesting. So like, it really took me like a week, uh, while I was away to like, even realize like what was really going on, which sounds so weird because obviously I packed my bags. I got on the flight, like I did the things, but I was so used to going through motions that it's like things don't actually really set in. Um, and so that was an interesting thing. And then physically, I was really tired. I was really hungry. I ate a lot of sugar. Um, <laughs> so I think if you asked me what I what did I replace alcohol with if it, in the beginning, it was definitely sugar, a lot of coffee and cigarettes. But <laughs> um, so not not great. But you know, sometimes you have to just do damage control first. But um, yeah, it, I remember like my eyes, my eyesight changed, my sensitivity to my eyes, like I became way more sensitive. Um, there was, I mean, you go through something called pause, it's like post-acute withdrawal syndrome, which has like a lot of different symptoms in the body. Um, luckily at the time, I didn't have a lot of my like chronic illness, autoimmune stuff, which, you know, that was later, that was, you know, that came out later. I think I needed to like have this experience first. Um, and have a good like foundation of my healing um, before I did deeper, you know, healing with my chronic illness and my autoimmune stuff. Um, but yeah, physically it was kind of a roller coaster. But uh, once I kind of met my my solid ground and my like my hormones regulated and like everything like that, I felt amazing. I felt clear. Um, I felt light. I felt empowered that like I was making my decisions for myself and I felt like I was learning who I was and I was like just really owning that. Um, so yeah, it felt, it felt amazing. Yeah. Have you, were you ever tempted to drink or use, did you ever have a moment where you had to like talk yourself down and how did that go? Yeah, definitely. I had a lot of those. Um, I definitely leaned on my support systems like super hard in the beginning, um, which I would definitely recommend um, having whatever that looks like for you. Um, I went to meetings and I tried to surround myself with people who like knew what I was going through and like could empathize and understand and had had experience. Um, and yeah, there were definitely times where like, you know, a a drink or a drug is like one call away or one drive away, you know, and I'm pretty sure I had moments where I would like sit outside and, you know, where I could have gone in and made that decision and just, just talk to myself out of it. Because I think like the biggest question for me that helps me and what can help other people is like, will this, whatever it is, whatever your, you know, substance of choices, pick your poison, whatever, will this thing help the problem or make it worse. And like 10 out of 10 times, it's going to make it worse. Because even if you go for that, you know, drink or whatever, your problem is still there. And it's probably getting bigger. And really what you're doing is just ignoring it and avoiding it for the time being, all the while you doing that is like, causing more problems. So now you have you started with one problem. And now you probably have at least two or three more um, to deal with. So if you could go back in time and work with your, your younger self, someone who's a big feeler and feels energy is intuitive, empathetic, how would you give her the tangible baby steps to, to, to take her problem head on, but not overwhelm herself first? That's such a good question. Um, I feel like it would just be to, to pause for a minute, you know, and just feel it because it was the discomfort that's obviously it's uncomfortable for a reason. And like that isn't where we want to sit. And so it's really easy to just kind of be like, mm, I'm just going to go over here and not look at that, not feel that. Um, so I think I would just like encourage her to sit with those things. And like when hard things come up, just acknowledge it. And um, it's okay to feel and like to be, yeah, feeling is not a bad thing. And like having emotions is not bad. They're not, um, I think I looked at them as like, just uncomfortable and like, um, inconvenient, you know, um, which that that takes a lot of time, I still deal with that sometimes. Um, so it, it takes time. 
But um, yeah, to just sit with it, work with it and acknowledge it and not feel like you're less than um, because you're experiencing this and that you're not alone. And um, it will get better if you don't try to escape from it. That is so true. It's like those who have been through my energy healing program, um, which will link stuff in the show notes if you're interested. It's, I'm always like, just take the poop, like take the energetic poop. Like if, if, if think about energy, like what you're talking about, Katie, emotions as if you, as like stool, if you kept them in your body, like you would get sick and eventually you would have a huge explosion everywhere and it'd be terrible or come out places you don't want it to come out. And so just like feeling, taking it, like and you, Katie, your work is so, and your teachings and the work you do with massage is so centered around nervous system regulation. And you talk a lot about that and like your self-care and, and, and Haven's Instagram page and the salon and the spa, what you can do for people. But I have a question in for those medical minds inquiring of like, how would you describe what alcohol is chemically and what it does to the body and the vital organs? Yeah. So, um, it is, I know it is ethanol. Um, it's, so it's a drug. I think people think of alcohol and drugs being different, but alcohol is a drug and it's classified as a depressant. Um, but it can act as a stimulant in your system, which is like why it feels good. And I think those are the feelings that most people drink for like the euphoria and the happiness. And it's really, it does release like endorphins and dopamine. Um, temporarily, obviously. Um, but whether you experience more of a stimulant reaction or a depressive or like a sedative effect does depend on your brain and your chemical makeup and like your genetics, which I, I think that's really interesting. Um, and that does play a role in like some, how some people maybe form addictions a little bit easier because they have more of a stimulant effect. And so it's like just more attractive to do it again and to want that feeling. Um, so yeah, I think it is, I mean, it's, it's really poison, um, <laughs> to be honest, like it's not good for you. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely has negative effects on like every part of our body and our brain. Um, it, it obviously helps or slows development. So especially if you're drinking at a young age, like I was like before my brain was even done cooking, you know, like it definitely had some effects there. It, it obviously affects your function of your brain and your thoughts, which is why you get that drunk feeling, you know, of like being disoriented and not being able to like walk super well and stuff like that. But it actually like shrinks your neurons in your brain and it can shrink like the literal mass of your brain itself, which I think is really scary. Um, it can cause high blood pressure and irregular heart rate. Um, it affects your lungs and your breathing. Um, obviously your liver is highly affected because it's trying to metabolize it. Um, so it can, it can cause it, the liver to be fatty and like cause cells to die and develop scar tissue of the liver. Um, it can rob your body of the minerals and nutrients and it can cause ulcers and leaky gut. And it just has, yeah, negative effects on every aspect of your body and your, your being. I, I do think that um, even though it's called spirit, um, I think that it was supposed to be used in like ceremony and rituals to like bring you closer to spirit. And I think that how we use it in society today um, is the opposite. And I feel like it pulls you farther away from your true mm -hmm. essence, your true spirit and any type of higher um, connection too. Okay. I have so many questions stemming from this. I'll, I'll try to keep them one at a time. So I've seen alcohol be kind of upheld in a lot of religious cultures and societies. Like, I agree with you that it can take us away from our authentic and true self. Like, and from your lens, Katie, and being th going through treatment and everything you've done and researched, like, what do you see happening in some religions that, I don't know, in my opinion, it's like, do they kind of sweep drinking under the rug? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's different. It, it really depends on, you know, what religion you know you're involved in and like your your relationship with alcohol itself because if you're participating it in the way that you know they're offering it and you can i don't know have have the drink and like feel fine and not think about it again until you drink again um then maybe it's not really like a problem um i think that overall like the way that we use it in society um it definitely is 
way overused. And I mean, we drink to celebrate, we drink to mourn, we drink with our dinner, you know, whatever. So I feel like it's way overused and that definitely can get swept under the rug because of, in religious standings, like where their intention is. But I feel like you can't ignore, maybe we've strayed from that and maybe that's not how it's being utilized. So I think it is a little bit uh, naive, yeah. And so mommy wine culture is getting quite the buzz in the health communities and, or just like women or men who need a glass or two or three or four of wine or whatever alcohol they choose to wind down at night. What do you think is going on? And do you have any like encouraging words to give those women who might turn to wine at night? Yeah, I think mommy wine culture is pretty toxic, honestly. Um, And again, I'm not coming from like a place of judgment at all. If that's where you're at and that's what you need to function. Sometimes, like I said, it is damage control, like whatever's worse. Sometimes that it it does feel like your only option. I just want to say that like, it's not your only option. Um, I, I think obviously using alcohol as a coping mechanism is super common. So I think it's really easy to kind of like find community in that and like relate in that way. And obviously parenthood is like, the most difficult job and stressful job you'll ever have. And the responsibilities are endless. Um, And so it's no mystery why people want to wind down, you know, with something that feels like it's calming them down and it feels like it's taking the edge off at the end of the day. Um, But again, I just feel like it's, that's a temporary feeling and it's not actually resolving anything. Um, It's kind of like if you broke your leg and you're taking painkillers every day, it's like, yeah, you're feeling better when you take that for sure. Um, that's not, you, but you can't, it's not sustainable and like the leg is still broken. And so I guess it would be about, um, you know, trying to find healthier ways to like manage the stress, um, which is definitely easier said than done. But I think another like thing about wine culture is that it really disempowers women in my opinion, because it makes us think that we're not capable of raising children without a chemical crutch, like without a drug. Um, I think it's kind of insulting to, to women and to parents, you know, a little bit. Um, so yeah, there are definitely women, like I, I will do this myself, obviously being a sober woman, like when, when I have kids, people can do it basically. And I'm not saying that people who are doing it are better than ones who are not there, but I just, it is possible. It's just the message that I think I want to share. Thank you, Katie. Do you ever think that you'll have even a sip, a glass, half a glass, any alcohol ever again? Um, yeah, so I don't. Um, I really don't think that I will, but I try to not. I remember when I was like newly sober, I honestly, it was hard for me to even fathom like a year. That's That was so hard to think of, really even six months. Like when I was first sober, I was like, I'm good if I can get to like, you know, a few months, like that sounds crazy. And here I am, it's been nine years later. Um, it's a lot easier now, obviously, but I, I tried to not look forward too far because when I say like, I will never do this, then it feels very, um, definite. And it feels like it feels harder to achieve when you say like, I'm never going to do this, whatever it is. Um, but I think it's just a matter of like, for me, it's just a matter of every day being like, "Mm, I don't want that today. Like, I know that my life's better without it. So like today I'm cool. Like I don't need that. Um, and that's just what's helped me get to the nine years and I'll, I'll carry that forward. And I don't have a desire to drink, although, you know, it being so long and obviously me being so young when I got sober, it is easy to tell yourself, well, you were just young. Like, it's fine. It was probably just a phase. You were just a little crazy, but like, you're an adult now, you're responsible. You have like, obviously you can think for yourself and like you can go out and like have a drink and it's totally fine. And it's really, I'm not gonna lie, it's really convincing sometimes and it's really hard to not be like, you know what? Yeah, that's probably right. I'm gonna just try it out. But I know too much about myself and looking back, I one was never enough. Like I, I never settled at that. I was the person that started before everyone else and stayed up past everyone else, you know, I, yeah, could drink anyone under the table, like all this stuff. I was always looking for the next thing. Like I was not satisfied. And that's how, that's just how I was. Um, if, you know, I, I, my thought process was like, 
if I could feel good right now, this feels really good. Well, I could feel better if I had more. Like it was always like more is better or this, this party's dying down. Like I'm going to go, let's see what else is, is around. Um, and I know that like, even if that didn't, if that wouldn't happen, like, let's say I went out and had a drink tonight, I might be able to just have one or two honestly and be fine. But then a week later I would be like, Oh, well, I had one or two and was fine. I can do that again. And it would just, it would just be a snowball effect from there. And I, I have too much fear about what I have at stake and what I would lose if I, if I let myself go that route. Yeah. So to wrap things up, if someone's considering a sobriety journey, one, is it worth it? And then two, what is your sobriety journey done for your body, your business, your soul, your entire life? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's a hundred percent worth it. I, if anyone is considering it, if anyone is like, um, newly sober or sober curious or, you know, in an active addiction or whatever, it's 100% worth it. And, um, you are worth it and you are worth worthy of, of healing and of finding a better way of living because there is one. Um, yeah, I think it's, it can be hard to imagine, um, if that's possible for you or if you're able to like get out of the place that you are, but it a hundred percent is. And life is so much more beautiful and vibrant and like you can live a full life. And I think using any kind of substances, you are, you're not, um, allowing yourself that. And I think everyone can do that. Thank you so much, Katie. Is there any final words or messages from your heart that you want to leave with listeners today? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just want to yeah, share with people that if you feel like you are missing something from your life or something is holding you back, whether it's alcohol or, or another type of addiction or whatever, that like you are strong and you can get out of it and, um, you know, find support and lean on it um, and listen to your intuition and really ask yourself like, if what you're doing is supporting your your highest good and your highest self and make those decisions from your place of truth and not the lies that like are in your head from an addiction or from you know people or society or whatever i just yeah i want to share that it's worth it and there's a better way to live and you're you're worth it thank you so much katie and so for our listeners who are really resonated with you, they want to follow you on Instagram. They want to come check out Haven Spa. Can you tell us how to get in touch with you, how to stay in touch with you and anything you might offer our listeners? Yeah, hundred percent. So you can connect with me on Instagram. It's Haven Wellness OP because um, we're in Overland Park, Kansas. And um, we also have a shop online so you can schedule any services, any healing services, if you're on your healing journey um, or want some self-care and want a safe place to to feel and all the things um, that have kind of were behind the reasons of why Open Haven is like, yeah, to give people a space to heal and like be safe in their body um, and whatever that looks like for you. Um, and so you can do that in person or you can go online. We have a shop. We have um, some tools that can help you with your self-care and your spiritual self-care and energetic care and everything like that. So that's evenwellnessop.com. Thank you so much, Katie. I recommend, so if you're in the area, definitely book a service, get in the sauna, check out the shop. Katie's downplaying it, but the storefront is so incredible. I've had clothes, earrings, cards, plants, crystals, you name it. I've Every time I go in there, I walk away with something, this cute little makeup purse um, from there. And then she also has her products listed online. And then following her on Instagram is a really great idea. Haven Wellness OP, right, Katie? And you can follow her along on Instagram. We'll put all these links in the show notes. And thank you again so much, Katie, for joining us and giving this encouraging message of healing addiction and finding your happiness with our community. Let's be honest, the healing journey can be hard from cooking to consultations and trying to live a life in between. Oftentimes you just run out of energy. Are you looking for a therapy that can shoulder some of this healing work for you? Well, I have got just the thing. Infrared has been the second best thing next to food as my medicine to heal all eight autoimmune and chronic conditions from my body. These infrared devices I'm going to tell you about literally helped me melt my eczema that was from my collarbone to my forehead 
away while I was healing with symptomless nutrition. I woke up every morning with skin that was cracked, bleeding so stiff. I could not even smile, but thank goodness for infrared as this was the only thing to truly help my skin be more supple, the eczema to heal my fatigue to reduce and my body to flush out the inflammation through heat shock proteins. So I could be here sharing this good news with you today. Truth be told, I still use my infrared sauna every single day because it makes me feel so good. So how can infrared help you heal? I want you to think of your body like one giant solar panel. You know, the ones that sit on rooftops and turn sun into energy inside of the home. Our bodies are basically doing the same thing, whether that's from the sun or healing infrared devices by exposing our skin to sunlight, seven dehydrocholesterol in the skin absorbs the UVB light and is converted to pre vitamin D three. From there, it changes into vitamin D3, and then your body uses it for anti-inflammatory healing. And research suggests this may result in more soluble mediators, such as endorphins, serotonin being released, think happy, feel good, anti-inflammatory, and increased ATP production by the mitochondria just from the infrared use. Your body is going to feel so, so good and relieved deeply with the infrared light. So where to start? Start with an infrared sauna. If you're ready to go in sweat and deeply detox and heal fast. If you need to take it slow, a juve red light by itself or combined with a biomat is a more gentle option that can be used anytime, anywhere without breaking the sweat. Simply head over to inspirehealthbygen.com slash infrared dash therapy, or click on the link infrared in the show notes. That's inspirehealthbygen.com slash infrared dash therapy. On the webpage, you will see an opportunity for up to a $600 discount for the infrared saunas and $50 to $100 discount for the biomats and the red light devices. So get that discount, head over to inspirehealthbygen.com slash infrared dash therapy. How was that friends? Oh, my soul feels renewed and I am so grateful for pioneers in the medical field like Dr. Lucas. And I'm so grateful for you in this community and everyone that comes here week after week and lets us know they're enjoying the show, shares it with a friend. So if this message, this show is helping you and your family and your friends heal, would you please subscribe, leave a five-star review if that feels in alignment, send it to a friend. And then below in the show notes, let us know what you want to hear about. This is a community. We are here to serve you through this podcast and we so appreciate you being here and extra thanks to Dr. Lucas for being here. And I cannot encourage you to reach out to him if you feel called to. Again, we'll see you next week.